Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, <laughs> wonderful, Aww. beautiful, super smart, yeah. hardworking, early sweet. days of Walt Disney World <laughs> loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Oh, thank you, baby. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Sunday April 4th, 2021. I had to think about it for a second yeah. there because, yes, we are in April now. I, I hope you all are celebrating a wonderful Easter if you do celebrate Easter today. If not, hopefully you're just having a wonderful Sunday. Yes. Also, hope you made it through April Fool's Day okay. That day just drives me crazy I anymore, know. especially on social media. Yes. And yesterday was a unique date. Four, three, two, one. We all counted down to Easter, yes. apparently. Yes. <laughs> a lot of weddings <laughs> yesterday. That's probably true. That's probably true. So thank you for joining us today, whatever day actually you are joining us. We're glad you found us here. However, the best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... Did you know... You can sign up for our newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. Just another way to kind of be in connection with us, uh, be in the more Hyperion Adventures podcast know. And if you did subscribe to the newsletter before this week, you got to see it. Yes, you were the <laughs> first ones to witness the before and after of, yes, I finally did get my haircut this week. Yes, and you did a great job with the uh, selfies, the before <laughs> and after. You did. Uh, you look great either way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my handsome me a handsome baby. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, after nine months of quarantine growth, finally got the hair out of my eyes temporarily anyway, and I promise this will be the last time for at least three to four months that <laughs> I bring up my hair again on True. this podcast. But uh, uh, yes, it feels so good to finally uh, get it, like I said, out of my face. Now, I admit, I, I, it didn't look bad with my hair long, but uh, it was just so annoying in my right. face all the time. So I'm glad and to get that done. We all know what it's like when you're ready for a haircut and if you have to wait that long when you're ready for a haircut, that's torturous. Yes. So. Uh, it was it was driving me crazy a lot. But uh, again, that will be the last I bring it up for a while. You also saw that post uh, if you were following us on social media because I put it out there after the newsletter as well on social media. You can find us there on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. We do have a YouTube channel. Mostly we're just putting out um, sort of video versions of this podcast. It's really just a, an, another audio version of this podcast at this point. Point right now. Uh, but if you want to find us there, li just have another way to listen to us. Uh, just do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast, hit subscribe, and you'll know whenever we have a new release on that site. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And as we've said in the past, we really appreciate people's feedback on our Gmail account. We get some really nice positive things that people say we're honored uh but if you also have any questions or anything that we talked about that you didn't quite feel we covered sufficiently please reach out to us yes uh, we got some great response from last week's ask us anything episode mm -hmm. uh you 
all seem to enjoy that one very much. It was very heavily downloaded this week. So thank you very yeah. much for all the questions. And thank you for everyone who uh, listened to our responses. And if right. you ever have more questions. Right. And if you ever have any more questions for us, hit us up at any time. Doesn't have, you don't have to wait till our next Ask Us Anything show. Hit us up whenever you want, either through our social media or through our Gmail account. Now, this week, uh, lots of interesting things. I already talked about my haircut this <laughs> week. Also, I was lucky enough, blessed enough to get the chance to go out to Padres yes. baseball opening Woo-hoo. day out at Petco Park, which was exciting to be able to go out and see a live baseball game, a live sporting event once again. Right. So um, it was really an exciting game. I was kind of following along with you while you're out there. Um, but it's just so cool to see some more uh, approaches to normalcy yes um they only are doing about 20 percent capacity right now here in california so i think i heard the number was about eight thousand seven hundred some odd uh people at the ball game for that one um and they did spread us out mostly they had seats groups blocks of seats together and then they'd be separated uh by seats that were covered uh so no one can um take a spot there mm-hmm. and uh you know it was all right now uh, now padres fans you need to do a little better with your mask wearing uh, (laughs) and uh, and Padres and Petco uh, personnel. You need to do a little bit better job of monitoring people with their face masks wearing. Also, uh, they have everything right now. If you want to get food or beverages out of the ballpark, you have to do it through mobile ordering. Now, day one of mobile ordering at Petco (laughs) Park for the Padres uh, was a little mostly miss, a little hit, mostly miss out there. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because it was day one. But again, Padres brass, go up and give Disney a call because they handle mobile ordering (laughs) very well. They know what's going on there. So hopefully the Petco Park and the Padres have it straightened out by this weekend. But either way, no matter what, yes, it was an exciting game. We have high anticipated, high hopes uh, for our San Diego Padres Mm -hmm. this year. Padres won. We had a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you to my mother who actually is a part-time season ticket holder that invited me to the game and we had a great time out there together. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you posted that on social media as well. And you know, although we're we're really a Disney um, podcast, it is relevant, and I, I love the uh, little shout-outs about the masking and the mobile food order, which Disney World really has solid. Right. Yeah, that's one thing. Like good Padres brass, go talk to Disney because uh, they empowered all their per- all their employees, all their cast members uh, to be out there making sure that people are wearing their masks. More importantly, I did see that at some points uh, during the game, but I would like to see it more from the person at Petco. Now, again, uh, it was the first game. Uh, They've played a couple more since then. Hopefully, they've straightened this all out. We will find out as we go forward because we are planning to go to a game or two coming up here in the near future as well. And we just have to figure out the uh, schedule for that. So, um, but yes, uh, like I said, high hopes for the San Diego Padres this year. Um, They're off to a good start and hopefully that continues throughout the season. So you may be hearing more about the Padres this year (laughs) on this show, but if they do start playing well, keep playing well. Right. Very cool. Another thing that we want to get to, and we hopefully will finally get to it this week, because for the last two weeks in a row, our episodes ran a little long. We had done a segment talking about Disney Plus, specifically talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And both for two weeks in a row, we've had to edit that segment out because our shows have run just a little longer than we would have liked. 
I'm hoping we can get this talk in today about it because I think we're really enjoying this show so far. Yes, we are. And it is hilarious that we've had to talk about it multiple times and cut it. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we can remember some of the important points that we were making. Or maybe you should have just kept it and we could just inserted it here yes. because we've, we've talked about it twice already. But yes, uh, you know, the one thing about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we're not going to give away any spoilers here for it, but we just want to talk about it a little bit, is that it feels really mainstream Marvel. It feels like you're back in a Captain America type movie. It's kind of that feel that they had with the first Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, the Winter Soldier, etc. It kind of has that international intrigue feel about it, as well as it's kind of a a buddy movie slash show so far. And, you know, I, I kind of like it. I mean, it's it's intriguing and I can't wait to see it. Go, we're halfway through, I believe, the season now. I can't wait to see where the final three episodes take us. Right. Uh, it is, like you said, it is the, you know, um, pattern of a movie mm-hmm. that you're watching it in segments unlike WandaVision. WandaVision was clearly each episode was very different, very unique, uh different feel altogether. That was more suspense and making you wonder, you know, why this happened or what was what was that symbol meaning and you know, why did those things happen in the in the episode. Uh in this in uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's more like you're watching uh either a movie or 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 a show that does, you know, a continuation of a storyline. So uh very different but still very entertaining and um can I talk about the Buffy reference? Or you want yeah, that? No, take it. Take it. We've mentioned this <laughs> twice in the episodes that were cut. So let's we'll let, we'll let you do it. I did it once. You did it once. Right. And we'll let you take the third one. Well, a couple, Hopefully the third time's the right, charm, right? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, the Buffy reference is, is in relationship to um, like Angel and Spike. If you've watched those shows, you know that once they got their soul back, they remembered everything that they had done in the past. Um, All the horrible things they had done when they were evil. Right. Thank you. And um, that's kind of what the Winter Soldier is going through. Um, I I know it's been brought up before in other movies, but it it focuses it a little bit more. You can see how he is struggling with Mm -hmm. some of those demons as a result of that. You know, some flashbacks that really seem to uh impact him as well mm-hmm. right and one thing where we we've seen through the couple shows that we've watched so far from new marvel phase four of course wandavision was obviously all about grief right. you know so it was significantly about grief um but there's a lot of grieving going on in falcon and the winter soldier as well you know the fact that you're seeing a lot of the circumstance, a lot of the consequences from uh, the blip, from the snap, right. you know, whereas there's the people who have been around for five years and and seen mm-hmm. things go on. And then others that are kind of dealing with the fact that they were gone for five years right. and they're kind of in this new world that's changed and different. And they're kind of dealing with the fact that some loved ones are gone. Um, the world has changed around them, you right. know, and that they have to adapt to that world and so you're seeing a lot of that going on as well within falcon and the winter soldier just right. a different form of grief yeah but i think that is what makes it unique from the movies because in the movies it the focus was on the people who didn't blip mm-hmm. and how they were struggling with the losses and you know obviously what they ended up doing to try to well to successfully get the uh, those who were blipped back um but from the perspective of like you're saying hey i've been gone five years 
things look really different. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the, like you said, we don't want to give any spoilers, but the whole relationship of, you know, one from the people, what their experience is coming into not knowing how the world is now, Mm -hmm. uh, or that it was very different, but also from the people who were there and looking at the aspects of the relationship between those two groups. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Right. All they had to go through during the five years while these others were gone, not you know, thinking that they would probably ever come back. Right. Never see them again. Right. So yeah. And how do you deal with that right. now? How do you deal with some people coming back mm-hmm. and, you know, those situations that could arise with relationships and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then over the last uh, few weeks, we've seen interesting characters mm-hmm. appear within it. It's, it's, it's been really good. And I'm looking forward to, as I said already, uh, to where it finishes up over these last few episodes of this season. Right. So, so very exciting. Yes. Uh, another thing we watched on Disney plus, and this one we talked about last week <laughs> as well. I uh, didn't make the, or at least landed on the cutting room floor last week was uh, we enjoyed watching, over the last two weeks, the new Mighty Ducks series, Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Right. Uh, not because it's like this cinematic marvel, no. the greatest show we've ever seen in the world, but there, it's just, it's got a lot of heart to it. It's cute. It's funny. It's, yes, is it predictable? Pretty totally. much predictable. <laughs> but there's just something charming about it. Right. right I think that's a great description. It is charming. Like you said, there, it, it is predictable in a lot of perspectives of it um it's just fun tv watching it's it's easy going and you know lovable characters you know new people all ages yeah yeah Yeah. and so and and it does it doesn't try to be too serious but once in a while it'll present uh some serious topics for example the situation you know of kids in school these days and bullying and acceptance and mm-hmm. things like that and, and and they do a great job but they it's not the overall theming of mm-hmm. it it's just it it does recognize that that exists for right. sure again like i said it's it's not the best written thing you know the dialogue isn't the best it's not uh you know this great it's not going to win a lot of awards no, but it's, it's fun. pretty predictable <laughs> Um, but so was the original Mighty Ducks, yes. and we love the original Mighty Ducks movie, and this is fits right in with that. So we will be watching it and enjoying it, and we've enjoyed the first couple episodes so far. So, yeah. uh, finally, I want to say one more thing, and that is about something that's not on Disney Plus, but it is on Hulu, which Disney owns the majority mm-hmm. of, and that is we've been watching uh, from Nat Geo. Uh, the Genius series on Aretha Franklin. Right. We're three or four episodes in now right. and uh, really enjoying that because she has a very interesting life. Yeah, she really does. And uh, just amazing, you know, a lot like especially um, in that era of what things were going on politically and through social issues, but also the fact that, you know, typically people's lives in that regards were not as well known and so seeing that revealed now and how they dealt with struggles how somebody as talented as Aretha Franklin dealt with some of the things going on with her life and um, was still able to be so successful mm-hmm. but I mean of course she's super talented so. right yeah it's it's a really an interesting storyline I, I again based on a true story I don't know how much is, is fact how much is right. you know uh a dramatic interpretation of what went on, mm-hmm. but uh, it is really interesting. The actresses that they play, both having played the older Aretha Franklin and the younger Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. and I should have looked up their names before I went on here, but um, unfortunately I didn't, but they are 
doing a fantastic right. job, in, including singingly, singing majestically. Right. Uh, like, you know, right. you, is it a Aretha level? No, but they're, they're pretty good. Right, you know, right, and I, exactly. I'm really enjoying the show so far. Agreed. I, I, I think it's just like, like I said, it, it's just so fascinating. And, and I agree with you. It, it, it may be based on re, on a true story with some other elements that may not be quite as accurate, but it's still great storytelling. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you wanted, uh, if you haven't looked that up yet, uh, go check it out. It is on Hulu. It's from Nat Geo. You might be able to find it on National Geographic on regular TV as well. I'm not positive of that, but it definitely is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, look it up because it is a very interesting biopic for sure. Yes. So, so fingers cross that those things make it yeah. <laughs> we'll see if this make it on these episodes so uh but as for this week we have lots of stuff for you this week including we received a few more details about a highly anticipated disney plus star wars series mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that we received interesting news that may just have us revisiting a popular disneyland restaurant once we have the chance to return to the happiest place mm-hmm. on earth you know we'll talk about that and we now know the dates for a very popular Walt Disney World Festival. But let's get to this week's main topic. So, yep, this week we decided, Michelle came up with the idea, look, you know, it's a big birthday celebration for one of our favorite places in the world of course we're talking about walt disney world and that's coming up here in about six months on october 1st is when the official birthday celebration Mm -hmm. kicks off and michelle's like you know what we should do is some sort of countdown with segments each month leading up to it and i thought that was a great idea and of course I especially thought that's a great idea because that means Michelle is going to do some of her wonderful (laughs) research, which we all love because Michelle does the very best research, but it also means I get to relax and learn something, but still get to relax more than anything else. But uh, let's get to it. Michelle's part one of our countdown to Walt Disney World's 50th birthday. What are we talking about to kick it all off? All right. So um, to... First of all, these it, it won't be like a like you would normally think a progression like this it was the first step and then what was the next thing. It's topic based. This week's topic is called Disney's Map to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really focusing on, you know, how did this concept of Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom really develop and uh, play out? And there was some really interesting concepts that you know were considered at the table and but the the whys and some of the challenges that they overcome we hope we're covering today cool i can't wait to hear all about uh, everything that we've gone on and uh, I'm, I'm sure i will learn michelle's research is always so good i always think i know a lot of this <laughs> stuff and then i learn like a dozen new things that i had no idea about going into so uh hopefully the this will be the same for you maybe you may know very little about uh, the building of walt disney world maybe you're a disneyland person or whatever or, right um michelle's research is always fantastic and so i can't wait to find uh, out well, what we <laughs> learned today all right well thank you for that build up hopefully i don't disappoint um Sometimes, you know, when you know some parts of the history of, of a subject like Disney World, you feel like it's common knowledge. So um, I feel like a lot of this is already known, but let's hope there's some new things. I think there's both. levels of what people know, you know, I mean, I right. think a lot of people, you know, a lot of our listeners, a lot of people who are Walt Disney World fans uh, will know a lot of this stuff. But there's always those few things that you 
will slip through the cracks of your knowledge base and you find interesting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think also there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they just go to the parks and have a good time and they maybe not know all the history right. of it. And so, you know, stuff that you bring up like that is always uh, beneficial for people. All right. Well, hopefully. Thank you. Okay. So at the time that it was being developed, the the new location was known as the Florida Project. And so let's explore, you know, what the motivation was, the vision, and the plans for this new world. Mm -hmm. But to understand it first, you do have to consider uh, the forerunner, which was Disneyland. And that was obviously Walt's initial plan. But it was from there and how that was developing that things inspired and motivated him to plan further. So um, Walt, first of all, realized that the transformation of Anaheim from when the park was was first built there really ended up resulting in like these tacky neon signs and motels, kind of sleazy motels at times and, you know, gift shops that really, from Walt's perspective, distracted the experience that he wanted his guests to have and actually distracted from his brand. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, he, he had no control over any of those, those, and he didn't even have like now kind of Disney has some sort of okay to some of the things that right. go on right around the park. They kind of got that back a few years back with mm-hmm. from the Anaheim city council and such to just kind of, not that they can dictate specifically, like you can't put a hotel there or right. you can't put a hotel there, but it's like, you know, we want to be sure the standards are up to being right around uh, the Disneyland park, but that exactly. wasn't the case to begin with. He had his land and that was it. And so whatever popped up around, whatever people could afford. And I stayed at some of those right. motels that were around <laughs> Disneyland at the time. And let me tell you, there were you were wondering if that was a two-way mirror at some of these places, you know, the vibrating bed, the weird two-way mirror that could be a two-way mirror. Is that a camera behind that light up there? Right. It's it was a little it was a little creepy sometimes when you stayed there, but they've gotten a better grip of that now. Right. You know, Walt just felt like it was just also lack of attention to city planning, you know, and so he really started researching that topic. You know, he looked at, you know, books, um, he visited new communities and, you know, really tried to gain some understanding um, initially, I think, with the concept that he could bring that back to really help improve Disneyland. But I but eventually realized what he wanted, his true vision was going to mean he had to go somewhere else mm-hmm. for that. Um, so, and the other thing that he saw at Disneyland, you know, was really paying attention to what the guests were experiencing. Um, and he tried to continually improve, you know, what he called plussing things based on what he saw or talked to guests and what they liked. And he tried to remove things that they didn't like. So he was also, you know, being very reflective of what was going on inside the park as well. So, um, but it was an unexpected result that Walt actually kind of came up with a new side career of being a urban designer. (laughs) You know, and in fact, um, there was a developer, James Roos, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was so um, impressed by Disneyland that he, in 1963, he was a keynote speaker for the Urban Design Conference at Harvard University. Mm -hmm. 
And this is what he said, and I'm quoting, the greatest piece of urban design in the United States today is Disneyland. If you think about Disneyland and think of its performance in relationship to its purpose, its meaning to the people, its meaning to the process of development, you'll find it the outstanding piece of urban design in the United States. Hmm. It took an area of activity, the amusement park, and lifted it to a standard so high in its performance, in its respect for people, in its inf- and in its functioning for people, that it really has become a brand new thing. I find more to learn in the standards that have been set and in the goals that have been achieved in the development of Disneyland than any other single piece of physical development in the country. Wow. Really cool. Yeah, yeah right? That's quite so, a statement about yeah. Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was really being noticed also by urban developers of what Disney and Disneyland was offering. So um, as we mentioned, since, and as you mentioned, uh, Walt really couldn't control what was going on around him. And he decided he needed to, as we said, move forward and look at the challenge of creating his own community in his own design. Mm. So let's take a look at that initial plan. All right. Mm-hmm. Walk with me here. Okay. <laughs> Um, so after he did a really detailed an analysis of uh, the United States, different areas, he chose personally Florida. He felt the state already had healthy tourist population. The weather allowed for year-round enjoyment and operation. And even better, there was large areas of affordable undeveloped <laughs> land. Yes. Now we're going to talk about that in another episode. Okay. But it was part of obviously what was intriguing and uh, attractive to Walt to consider Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to begin with, let's listen to Walt in his own words, talk about this Florida project. Today, I want to share with you some of our ideas for Disney World. Now, the prologue to this film told you some of the philosophy that made Disneyland in California what it is today. Of course, there will be another amusement theme park in Florida, similar to the one in California. We're now developing a master plan that encompasses the theme park and all the facilities around it that will serve the tourists. Hotels, motels, and a variety of recreation activities. In fact, just this little area alone is five times the size of Disneyland in California. All right, so bottom line is the vision for Florida would be more than a Disneyland East, right? It was going to be more than just a theme park. But there was a theme park. That was just part of it. The master plan for this land was so much more, so much greater. You know, when you talked about Epcot, Walt's vision was different than what the theme park we know as Epcot turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you know, he, he wanted it to include plans for an airport, an industrial park area, apartments, themed shopping areas, theaters, high-speed rapid transit systems consisting of monorails and people movers because yes. <laughs> they already had the people movers at Disneyland Resort already. So he he factored that into his vision. It was his last vision before he passed away. And, but it yeah. was yeah, but it really became such a central 
part of what he was planning and thinking of. Uh, in fact, Marty Sklar once described Walt's obsession with this part of the project as the following. With Walt Disney World, you know, Walt didn't spend any time working on the park. In fact, his whole focus was on Epcot. And so, uh, before you know, his final days, there were a lot of meetings frequently held with some of the planning people that we've heard about in the past, like Mar Marty Sklar, Herb Ryman, Marvin Davis. And it just seemed, from things that I was reading, it was a continual evolution of ideas, of planning, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. And it's even said, and I've, I tend to believe this one because I've read it in many areas and one of the most convincing was at the Walt Disney Family Museum mm. website was that even as he was in the hospital during his, his last days that he was thinking about and planning Epcot. And um, it is said that his brother, Roy, who would visit him, obviously said, Walt lay on the hospital bed staring at the ceiling. It was squares of perforated acoustic tile, and Walt pictured them as a grid map for Disney World. Hmm. Every four squares represented a square mile, and he said, now there is where the highway will run. There's the route for the monorail. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. I know, right? But let's listen to Walt, and again, in his words, describe what his vision really was for Epcot because it was definitely innovative and pretty lofty. Mm -hmm. But the most exciting, the far, the most important part of our Florida project, in fact, the heart of everything we'll be doing in Disney World will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. We call it Epcot, spelled E-P-C-O-T, experimental, prototype community of tomorrow. Here it is in larger scale. Epcot will take its cue from the new ideas and new technologies that are now emerging from the creative centers of American industry. It will be a community of tomorrow that will never be completed, but will always be introducing and testing and demonstrating new materials, and new systems. And Epcot will always be a showcase to the world for the ingenuity and imagination of American free enterprise. I don't believe there's a challenge anywhere in the world that's more important to people everywhere than finding solutions to the problems of our cities. But where do we begin? How do we start answering this great challenge? Well, we're convinced we must start with the public need. And the need is not just for curing the old ills of old cities. We think the need is for starting from scratch on virgin land and building a special kind of new community. So that's what Epcot is, an experimental prototype community that will always be in a state of becoming. It will never cease to be a living blueprint of the future where people actually live a life they can't find anywhere else in the world. Everything in Epcot will be dedicated to the happiness of the people who will live, work, and play here, and those who come here from all around the world to visit our living showcase. So as you can see, he was really looking at a city where people would actually live there, work there, you know, or visit. Mm -hmm. um, 
And although that's not the Epcot that developed, there were some really cool features from his initial vision that did end up making it into Walt Disney World. And, you know, those are things like uh, the concept of transportation hubs, you know, and how important those are. Obviously, monorails and people movers, but also the the other concepts that he had in his plans were the underground support operation, things that he didn't want to interfere with the views and the experiences of people, not just in when they come play, but in their day-to-day life. Um, He also had the idea of resorts, which we know has been such a big feature at Walt Disney World, um, and having activity, play things to do outside of an amusement park. Recreation, yeah. Everybody needs recreation from time to time. Exactly. Walt understood that for sure. Yes. You know, he's built parks around, you know, being able to get get away and have a good time as a family. Right, right. So it's a real vacation location, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously things like the nightlife and theater and Mm -hmm. things that we see at Disney Springs. Those were all concepts with the original vision that Walt had of Epcot. It just didn't roll out as a town where people would live right and obviously there were challenges right challenges anytime you do something this major this innovative you're going to have um a lot of things to deal with starting by the mastermind behind it all passing away at you know an early age unfortunately and you know losing that you know that brilliant mind behind it and uh, you know everybody having to recover from that right let's talk about a a, a giant challenge that was a huge one yeah Yeah. you know um and you're reading my notes no i'm just kidding (laughs) no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding you um yeah it that his untimely death was definitely a big blow not just to the concept of the florida project but the company as a whole but yes the florida project was one that was really questioned at first as to whether they really should move forward with it at all you know um but roy really did because of his love for his brother um felt the the importance of this project to walt that he decided he would dedicate his life the you know to creating uh, some things with the Florida project that, that were important to Walt. Mm-hmm. He basically came out of retirement to kind of uh, help lead right. the way to finish off the project or at least uh, get to the point where it kicked off in 1971. Exactly. And that really wasn't Walt, I mean, excuse me, Roy's role. Roy was the financial guy. He was the one to, you know, make sure uh, to keep things in check from time mm-hmm. to time with Walt. But he was not necessarily the planner. Mm-hmm. That really, that creative genius came Strictly from Walt Mm -hmm. and not Roy. But, um, you know, he did learn from Walt and he did try to make sure he kept the essence of Walt in this. And and in fact, you know, uh, I think we've talked about in other episodes where like Walt would want to really do something spectacular and he knew Roy wouldn't want him to do it. One of them was like putting gold leaf on the castle and um, Roy devoted to Walt decided he wasn't going to skimp with Disney world. And in fact, um, there was a press release in 1969 that said the most modern and advanced telephone system in America was installed at Walt Disney world. Uh, And in addition to that, the trash collection system of using the underground trash system, et cetera, um, was written about saying giant vacuums help keep the magic in the magic kingdom. 
the quiet, discreet trash removal seen in small operations in Sweden became not only the first AVAC system in the U.S., but also by far the largest system in the entire world. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the only real difference Roy made was the name change. You know, Walt had planned it to be Disney World, and Roy really insisted that the name be called Walt Disney World mm-hmm. and made sure that that was, you know, the official name of the Florida project. Yeah. Uh, and they also they put made sure that there was some of Walt's favorite attractions that also boast his True. name as well because of as a tribute to him, you know, like the railroad is always right. the Walt Disney World Railroad or, you know, the, because... Walt Disney Railroad because he loved his trains right. so very much, you know. So that that's uh, there's only a few attractions that if you ever notice, uh, most attractions are you know oh you know the Country Bear Jamboree right, or right, Splash yeah. Mountain or whatever. But there are a few attractions out there that you may note are Walt Disney were or Walt Disney's right. or Walt Disney Presents right. or something along those lines because that's those true. were his attract th- those were the ones that he loved so much and. The company wanted to be sure that they had his name on on top of those. Right, good point. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the railroad because when they were um, planning the park and putting in the railroad, obviously, uh, one of the the trains they wanted to also call uh, the Roy Disney, mm-hmm. and he declined that. Mm-hmm. He said no, just. They eventually did do one for him after he passed away. But while he was alive, he said, no, he really didn't need that kind of honor. It really was all about Walt. Mm, so Nice. Right. Um, according to the Tampa Bay Times, there were other challenges that the company uh, dealt with, uh, including labor strikes, uh, skeptical, skeptical government officials, mm-hmm. And government the, officials are skeptical. I know <laughs> a new company a coming shady. in. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, actually, that the Orlando airport really wasn't a major airport that could handle um, tourism from all over the world. So you know that was some things that they the company did have to deal with on top of you know some of the other struggles mm-hmm. that they were they were coming up with. Um, But the other less discussed challenges that were faced by the company that they really did have to face was how would one company maintain and govern a city? Hmm. You know, Walt's vision really, if you really listen to, um, and, you know, we played a, a, a part of it, but if you really listen to his description of Epcot, he really wanted full control and when you're having a city like that, um, you have to look at the issue of what about the people who live there and the fact that he did want people to live there. Not to mention the fact that he wanted the people who live there to work there. And so what would you do if somebody didn't want to live there? Or let's say they got a job somewhere else. Are they going to be allowed to stay living there? Uh, You know, And another one of those touchy subjects is the issue of religion and where would you have space or would you provide adequate space for multiple um, denominations of worship? So the the company really did have to face the fact that, you know, and and these were some of the things that Walt 
was also dealing with before they, you know, before he even passed away. But it was something the company really had to face. Like, what is the reality of sustaining this kind of vision that, yeah, maybe at first it could be a, a, a utopia of sorts, but over time there would be some some challenges and some struggles and more challenges they're already facing enough challenges right but definitely gonna be more to come for sure exactly yeah. so you know although the portion of walt's plan for a prototype city didn't really roll out what was successful was the largest creation enterprise ever undertaken by a single company at that time and that walt disney world has become the premier vacation destination in the world those are not insignificant things and it's the place Walt envisioned that, as he said, is dedicated to happiness of people who come here. Mm. And I think they are successful in really capturing the essence of his vision of what he wanted to see happen in Florida. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, when you look back at the, and you heard a bit of it there, uh, when you look back at some of the video of Walt describing like Epcot or whatever, of course he didn't uh, develop Epcot as what he originally right. thought. Or if you, um, once the people mover starts again, <laughs> uh, if you go through and you see that model of what Epcot was supposed to be, they have right. that, uh, that, that fully made out, or at least a portion of it, model of what Epcot was supposed to be like. Obviously it's not that, but... They were able to create this community, um, which is a vacation destination, right. you know, and try and do the best they could, uh, you know, around all the challenges that they were bound to face. Yeah. I mean, there were there are, you know, we, we mentioned some of the big aspects that, that came into place that were from Walt's original concept. But the concept of community does exist in Epcot. And when you look at the communities of other nations being there and, you know, pre-COVID and we're looking forward to post-COVID more and more um, people from those nations bringing their community and representation of that to all of us to share an experience, I think are all good elements mm -hmm. of, you know, what were from Walt's vision, you know, and that they were able to really to grow on that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. You know, yeah. and the other part of it too, was that his vision said it's never going to change. I mean, excuse me, that it's never going to stop changing, that it will always evolve. And that is in the core of Epcot. And we've seen it. It's in the core of Disney. In the core of Disney. True. Disney, Disney from Disneyland on. That's true. It, that was part always of evolved. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't the, defined Epcot that that Walt first had in his mind but you know even if he had survived we don't know that it would have still been that um, but he did produce a strong foundation of ideas um, and concepts that the company was able to really capture make a part of their heart and build on mm -hmm. and I, I and i believe it and i, I know there would be some who would dispute it to this day and saying mm -hmm. you know what would walt think about what's happening mm -hmm. in the parks nowadays you know but i think that even to this day that they still look back and, and think of what walt might have wanted mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you have to adjust it to uh, you know 
50 years later. Right. You know, true. And, and yes. Figure it all out that, you know, what would Walt want might have changed in 50 years. But at the same point, I, I think that's still the basis of how they build Disney and, and what goes on customer service wise, right. uh, what goes on when they start thinking about new attractions, new lands, new parks, whatever right. the case may be, uh, going back to this precedent that Walt set way back at first with, well, first with the Walt Disney Company, but then with Disneyland and of course, uh, leading into trying to build uh, this brand new Florida project, the Walt Disney World Resort. Right. And those concepts are continuing to grow, whether you talk about uh, parks in other countries, the Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, all those things really take Walt's original vision, I think, um, well, of Disneyland, but also as it expanded for the Florida project. Mm -hmm. And his his heart is in all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still believe so. I know, like I said, I think there's some that will dispute that out there, mm -hmm. um, but I still believe it's true. And I still believe um, even in new stuff that they've just put up or building that you still see Walt in them. When, if you look around, right. and Walt would be amazed. Like, I think that Walt would be, some people would say, you know, Walt would have, would want nothing to do with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I think Walt would be amazed by right. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and yes. the immersiveness of it. You know, it's something he wouldn't really understand because Star Wars was still long past, you know, when he passed away, right. you know. Um, but it, if he understood that and went in there, he would think it's phenomenal. Right, definitely. I mean, he was hugely a proponent of technology and things that could continue to grow to meet people's needs. Um, and that probably would have been one of the downfalls because, I mean, at, at the time he was coming up with these concepts, technology took longer to develop. And now we see in this day and age, it you know, a computer that's built today is old yeah. in <laughs> six months, you know, uh, same with cars and things like that. So technology, uh, in a, if you look at it from a concept of a city or, or, or something like that, it's hard to keep up with it. And that's why we see Tomorrowland's yeah, change. Yeah, I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, one of the biggest problems with Tomorrowland, the problem why they can't keep Tomorrowland. You know, as we, we've mentioned it in the past that both – Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom and Tomorrowland at Disneyland could use some love. And the problem is that they can't figure out how to approach it because technology is evolving. By the time when you plan something out, like totally right. changing a land, you know, you're thinking of what the technology might be for tomorrow. Right. But by the time it's built five years later or whatever, however long it takes, that technology is already out exactly. of date. So it's really tough to figure that, to, to kind of find that sweet spot in right. that area. I, it was interesting that you say that too, because, um, you know, I think Disneyland Paris tried to uh, adjust their concept of Tomorrowland to be, what did Tomorrowland look like in years past? Mm -hmm. So kind of like the concept of Jules, Jules Verne mm -hmm. and how he saw the future to look and try to make Tomorrowland be kind of representing those concepts, mm -hmm. I thought was pretty ingenious. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think eventually they are going to, once they we get things settled down and they can start approaching some of these areas um, and get people back to work and really put money into more construction or whatever, right. they are eventually going to approach redoing both Tomorrowlands. It'll be interesting to see what they decide, what they land on, what the Imagineers land on with uh, those two areas. Right. Sure. And at least we know they have the, the, the concepts of Wall. And again, with technology, how he... He felt that was such an important component of daily life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see that with the new attractions that have come out, that technology and advanced technology uh, is really an important part of it. Mm -hmm.
yeah, so. for sure. So anyway, so that is the map to the magic kingdom <laughs> overview <laughs> we have some other interesting topics coming up i don't know if you want to hear about any of them yeah that, that was a great job by the way sweetheart michelle's research always the best research interesting stuff that i didn't know fascinating quotes uh, lots of cool stuff in there so thank you very much for well, joining that so yeah thank you. um first of all tell everybody what we have coming up for them in may when we get to the second part of this series so in may's episode we're going to be doing disney's land which is really going to be focusing on the land at walt disney world how it was acquired some of the other components of it and the future, like what what is current and what is coming up mm. in relationship to land issues and takes into account um, the whole thing about our Mother Earth. Yeah, that may, that's a really intriguing story because, you know, the, how they ended up buying this land. There was a little bit of subterfuge going on there to try right? and get this all figured <laughs> out. So if you don't know that story, or even if you do know it, um, I'm sure Michelle will have some interesting stuff involved in that. So yeah, we're, we'll be definitely looking forward to that next month. And we're, like I said, we're going to continue this uh, throughout the upcoming months leading up to October 1st at Walt Disney World's official 50th birthday. And uh, Michelle is going to have a new topic for you every single month and that will be a lot of fun so thank you michelle great oh, job thank you and if anybody out there has any particular questions about today's episode um you know or something you, you want to make sure i'm covering i think we're doing quite a few aspects of walt disney world um it's just how we're framing each mm -hmm. topic uh, but let us know so we can make sure we're covering the things that you want to hear about good job So great job by Michelle again, <laughs> our first part of our countdown to Walt Disney World's 50th birthday. Really interesting stuff there and looking forward to hearing more. And plus I get these days off when I <laughs> have to do quite as much whenever she does these deep dives into this research but it always is interesting and i always learn some cool stuff so oh, thank, you. thank you thank you so let's get to our disney stories of the week i do have a few for you this week and i'm going to start with we received a few more details about a highly anticipated disney plus star wars series i'm super excited for this one i know michelle yes. is as well so this came from starwars.com Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new Disney Plus special event series starring Ewan McGregor as the iconic Jedi Master will begin shooting in April. Yay. Yay. Yeah, I've seen some <laughs> pictures of the set and it looks like it's a really elaborate set that they're building um, out in, I, I believe they're building it out in the UK and it's really cool looking. Um, can't wait to see what comes from it. Uh, they go on to say the story begins 10 years after the dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith where Kenobi faced his greatest defeat the downfall and corruption of his best friend the Je and Jedi apprentice Anakin Skywalker turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader of course Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be um, directed by Deborah Chow who you may remember it was a director of two critically acclaimed episodes of The Mandalorian mm -hmm. during season one she did a great job with that so exciting you know that she's going to be uh, manning right. up the series. That'll be fantastic. Or womaning up the series, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the series also marks the return of Hayden Christensen in his role yeah. as Darth Vader. I think that's great that he's coming back. Uh, I remember back at Disney Investor Day when they officially, and after it had been rumored for a while, and they mm-hmm. officially an- announced that he was coming back. I was extremely excited because I want to see, we've already seen Darth Vader be redeemed within the Star Wars series. I want to see Hayden Christensen get a chance right. to be redeemed uh, within Star Wars because I think that he has been dealt some, you know, some terrible blows from what happened to him that may not all completely been his fault from uh, some of the stuff he had to do in the prequels. Yeah. It's good that they, they are recognizing that and bringing him back. And I think it'll make for a very interesting series. And like you said, it's, it's in good hands. We, we know this, um, you know, company is really looking to reveal more of the, the, behind-the-scenes details of, of what happened with these characters. And it's just thrilling to yeah. know that that's coming up. Yeah, I also think the one thing with the prequel is that you can discuss, you know, the dialogue and, and some of the acting mm-hmm. or whatever from Hayden Christensen and some of the other actors uh, from the prequels. Um, but the one thing I don't think you can discount is the chemistry that was between Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi right. and Anakin Skywalker in that series was extremely strong. I, right. I think you kind of felt that. And then so much so that when you watch Revenge of the Sith, it really feels weighty at yes. the end when they're battling each other. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it, I, I have a tough time watching it today. And I think that a good portion of that is because of that chemistry that they have between the two of them to see it, see the animosity at the end was tough to, right. to, to get through. Oh, definitely. And, you know, one of the other things that you've mentioned in the past is how um, we really see the, um, Obi-Wan of the original series being developed, like mm-hmm. the mannerisms, the, you know, the, the type of laughter or just little things about that original character are coming through. Mm, capturing a little bit of Alec Guinness. Uh, yes. you know, McGregor did. I thought he did a fantastic job and I can't wait to see him return. Uh, also joining the cast, they announced are Moses Ingram, Joel Edgerton, Bonnie Pies, Kumail Nanjimi, Indira Varma, Rupert Friend, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Soong Kang, Simone Kessel, and Benny Safdie. Uh, interesting um, that Joel Edgerton and Bonnie P.S. played the younger versions of Owen and Baru Lars in the prequel films. Mm-hmm. So while they weren't officially announced to be playing those roles in this series, you got to believe that they're recurring those roles right. for this. So we're going to see a little bit of Owen and Baru Lars out there at Baru, who you were just talking about I last know. week. I ask us anything like you'd like to hear, see more from Aunt Baru. Yes. Um, Thank you, Disney, for listening. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and that also leads to we may see a little bit of young Luke out there too as a possibility because obviously Luke is, spoiler alert, staying with right. the Lars during this time period. So kind of cool. Right. And, you know, some of the other things we may see uh, in that regards too is you can maybe understand a little bit more why Uncle Owen really is trying to, 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 I don't know if I want to say control, but monitor what Luke is doing. Really protect him. Right. Knowing, so, you know, getting to see how did he find out more about what Anakin Skywalker became. Yeah. 
So I'm excited for the series. Can't yes. wait for it to come out. I'm sure it's still, obviously, they're not filming until this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll see it sometime early next year. And very excited for when it finally does hit Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Moving on, uh, we received interesting news that may just have us revisiting a popular Disneyland restaurant once we get the chance to return <laughs> to the happiest place on Earth. This from the Disney Parks blog. It was just a small part of their uh, Disney Parks Best Bites April 2021 story, but I think it was the most intriguing part right. of that story. Kind of like hidden in there yeah. in the middle of things. Right. Yes. Uh, here's what it said in the story. Blue Bayou Restaurant in Disneyland Park will soon offer new beverage options that elevate the culinary experience. This guest favorite spot will open after the theme parks reopen and we'll share that date as soon as we can. The enhanced offerings fit right in with the story and spirit of the Blue Bayou and reflect what many guests have requested. The new additions will complement the menu and theme of the restaurant with beverages such as wine, mm-hmm. beer, and a specialty yes. hurricane cocktail. <laughs> of course, a New Orleans staple. Or you may want to try the new collection sparkling wine package. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, soon you'll be able to uh, pair them with the restaurant's delicious menu items like the popular surf and turf. Also keep an eye out for new seasonal takes on our mint julep, non-alcoholic beverage. Stay tuned for more on the Blue Bayou. Again, that was straight from Disney Parks blog. Uh, very excited about this. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've talked in the past that we do enjoy, especially wine with dinner. And, and those- oh, do we? Really? <laughs> Does and anybody the- out there know that? Right. A secret. Um, but, you know, the Blue Bayou has really some you know fine dining type dishes or signature dishes um but again thinking of this episode with walt paying attention to what the guests want and that is something that at disneyland we've talked about in the past that outside of california adventure park uh and olga's cantina there there aren't any offerings for any kind of alcohol beverage and and, and i get why people can be in an uproar of things like that uh it but it's still again it's what are people asking for and that's what walt wants wanted to make sure people were listened to and that he could provide that offering right and this isn't you know necessarily opening the door for alcohol to be served at every quick service restaurant uh, throughout disneyland park this is just one single restaurant now I have always felt this, and I think you agree with me on this, mm-hmm. Michelle, that when you went to the Blue Bayou restaurant, it always felt like there should be, you should be able to get a nice glass of wine or a bottle right. of wine uh, while you're there because the ambiance of it, it's kind of darker, kind of candlelit. You're out there on the bayou right next to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. You see the boats go by and it's kind of got that feel. Plus the menu items are these hearty dishes, kind of, you know, the, the rustic, but uh, but still fine dining, like, you know, rack of lamb and right. steaks and braised short ribs and stuff that perfectly are complimented by a nice glass of Cabernet Sauvignon right. or a Merlot or whatever you enjoy. And it just kind of felt like, you know, you were missing that aspect when you're in there. And right. I really feel that it kind of needed that, you know, just to kind of, you know, complement this food uh, just a little bit better when you're right. in there. So. To have that as an option if right. people are interested in it. And, you know, when Walt Disney World first opened, the Magic Kingdom was also a dry area and alcohol has been introduced and I think people have been okay with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's exciting to see here. Like you said, I think it's going to enhance that dining experience for a lot of people. And we're just thrilled that that's being considered or 
being implemented. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we will probably, if we can, once we get the chance to return to Disneyland, which we're hoping we're going to get some news from soon, possibly this week, uh, once we get the chance to go back, I, I would bet if we're going to be at Disneyland Park, we'll be looking to book a reservation there as soon as it opens up. Because they didn't say it's going to be open the first day that Disneyland Park reopens. But whenever it does get back to opening up Blue Bayou Restaurant, I'm sure we will be looking to... A, you know, sample it and see what it's like with the new additions to one to the menu, but of course to the wine list, beer right. list, et cetera. Agreed. You know, and like you said, it's probably not going to be part of the initial reopening phase because of the phases that the state of California is, is going through in terms of where will they be once they open? What level will they be able to, uh, because it is totally indoor dining. Mm-hmm. As much as it feels a little outdoor, yeah. it is totally indoor it's totally dining. Indoor yes, dining. Yeah, yes. For sure. So, Uh, We will check that out and we'll let you know when we find out more about that as well. Moving on, uh, we now know the dates for an upcoming popular Walt Disney World Festival. Again, from the Disney Parks blog, start wetting your appetites (laughs) because the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival begins July 15th at the Walt Disney World Resort. It's another early start time, but I think it's exciting. Right. And like you had pointed out, the name of it does not include a taste or a touch. It is the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Right. So that's exciting. Yes. Ever since uh, the Food and Wine Festival, when, when uh, Walt Disney World reopened last year in July, mm-hmm. um, all the festivals up to this point have had taste of in front of their name. Right. And that's starting with the Food and Wine Festival, moving through the Festival of the Holidays, uh, the uh, Festival of the Arts, right. and the Flower and Garden Festival. But this is the first one that isn't. Now, it still looks like it's going to be a little bit pared back to begin with, but I think they wanted to leave it open as vaccines start running out there more as things begin to be able to open up more, hopefully um, that they can make this a more of a full fledged uh, food and wine festival. So we'll, we'll see what's to come for sure. Yeah. It's super, super exciting. And again, another one of those um, great feelings of getting back to more normal times. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So the story went on to say this year's event will kick off with global marketplaces, including the return of many favorites, Canada, Greece, Germany, hops and barley, (laughs) apple seed orchard, and others. Even more marketplaces will join the International Smorgasbord as the festival continues on until the fall before wrapping up on November 20th. So we have from July 15th all the way to November 20th to get to get out there and experience that before they do the festival of the holidays, I would imagine will be shortly after that. Right, And it'll be running during the um, celebration of the 50th anniversary. That's very true. Good point. Good point. They go on to say there will be lots of ways for families to enjoy this year's events beyond just eating lots of great food, of <laughs> course. But I mean, really, do you need anything more? But that's no. fine. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to sample all sorts of delicious cheeses served in fun ways as part of Emile's fromage montage. Nice. If you collect a stamp from five different global marketplaces, you'll earn a prize. We love cheese. Yeah. We may be earning those stamps for sure when we get out there to check this out. Uh, Remy's Ratatouille Hide and Squeak will send you on a savory scavenger hunt in search of Remy's statuettes hidden all over the park. That nice. sounds like a lot of fun, right. especially leading up to uh, the, opening the opening of the mm-hmm. Remy's Adventure out there at uh, Epcot. Uh, you can take a tasty 
a souvenir home from new merchandise collections, including a festival collection featuring a spirit jersey, baseball cap, and so much more. And you can also listen to musical favorites performed by the Voices of Liberty, Mariachi Cobre, and the Jam and Chefs, all favorites yes. of ours. For oh, sure. yeah. So, Love it. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know exactly when we're going to get out there for the Food and Wine Festival this year, but we will definitely be out there at some point for the Food and Wine Festival possibly many times we're looking forward to checking this all out and we'll of course tell you all about it when we get out there exactly so that's it for the disney stories of the week however we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation and as always we start with michelle one because she's beautiful <laughs> wonderful all oh, things great so hard working she does the best research but she also has the very best <laughs> tips so let's get to it here is michelle's tip of the week oh you're just too kind sweetie well, my tip relates to strollers and wheelchairs. You know, as the uh, um, attendance levels are increasing now in the parks, we know that there are going to obviously be more strollers and wheelchairs. And it's always easier if you can identify yours, especially if the... Um, the cast members need to relocate some of the strollers to make for better use of space. So you can, before your trip even begins, start to work on things that can help make your stroller stick out in a fun way. So whether you create signs or let your kids help create signs or some waterproof decorations, because we know it rains in Florida, um, but it, it can really help get people in your party excited for the trip. Um, the other thing that might be very helpful is to use clips like those large, um, what are they called? Like carabiner clips? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and carabiners, then carabiner. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, I know what they are. I just didn't know what they were called for sure. Um, but you can, you know, put those. You say carabiner. I say carabiner. <laughs> That's a good one, maybe. Sure. It was. <laughs> but having those, uh, available on the, you know, the, the handrails or whatever, the, uh, of, of the stroller, you can hang things like popcorn buckets, mm -hmm you know, or water bottles and just, you know, again, making it easier, not just to identify, but easier for your day in the park. Um, and also remember to bring either a poncho or some kind of plastic covering so that while you are uh, experiencing an attraction or something, uh, you can keep your uh, stroller or wheelchair dry. Yeah. I mean, we, a lot of times you think about making sure and cover yourself up when that big rain, that big Florida rainstorm comes through as we head more and more towards the rainy season right. out there. Uh, but sometimes you don't think about covering up your stroller or whatever, and then you exactly. end up with a super soggy yes. stroller, which none of your kids <laughs> want to sit in. Um, it definitely is. And all your stuff gets soaked as well. Right. And that uh, definitely something that uh, to take into account. So Michelle's tip Always the best tip, for <laughs> sure. Sweet, That's a great one. So. Thank you. Uh, my tip this week is just a really quick one. Uh, we're all excited for the 2020 day, 2022 debut of the brand new Disney Cruise Line ship, of course, the mm -hmm. Disney Wish. Uh, we're regularly getting pics of it coming together right now as they're building it, putting it all together out there. Can't wait to see uh, when it all comes to fruition here right. within the next uh, year plus. As of today, we haven't actually received a lot of details about the ship, uh, you know, more than we, we found out the name of the D23 Expo. We've seen a couple clips of, 
you know, what the atrium might look like or whatever, but we just don't really know a lot about it, you know, and we don't even know when we'll be able to book the itineraries. I mean, they came out just a couple of weeks ago and they obviously there was a gap in there that looks like it's going to be for the Disney Wish, but we don't know really much about it when they'll become available, when you can start booking them. Well, the good news is that Disney has created a website where you can go on, sign up, put your email in and they'll alert you when any news about the Disney wish nice. comes out. So you'll know when they're releasing anything about, you know, what, what is going on with the ship. So you can get some peeks at the interior, Very what it'll cool. be like when you can start booking them, whatever. And I'm going to post the link to that site uh, in, in our show notes oh. and on our newsletter as well. Uh, so if you're looking to sign up for it, so you can be among the first to know what's going on with the Disney wish and know when you'll be able to book those nice. itineraries. Uh, you can just, it, it, you can just put your email and I already, already put ours in there mm -hmm. uh, to sign up for it and you'll get to find out more. Also, there's rumors that there's a show coming out at the end of April. That's going to show some more things about the Disney wish as well, but wow. I haven't confirmed that yet, but uh, we'll see. But anyway, uh, that'll be there for you. So, you can check that out and uh, you know sign up for yourself and know exactly what's going on with the exciting new Disney wish. Great tip, honey. So thank you very much. Like so, so that's it for this week's show. Next week, well, we're very excited about it and we're sure you are too. Uh, to help build the excitement even more, we're going to be talking about the reopening of Disneyland. Now, hopefully, as we mentioned a little bit ago, we'll have more details for you in regard to tickets, park pass reservations by that time. You know, I think that it's a, uh, coming out. We're as of right now, we're less than four weeks away from right. it reopening. By the time the next episode comes out, we'll be less than three weeks away from it reopening. Uh, hopefully, they will have gotten back to us or not. But even if they don't, uh, we'll be able to kind of discuss what we're most looking forward to. Maybe some tips about approaching it when you do finally get to return to Disneyland. We'll have some fun discussions about it one way or the other. Yeah, and we just love thinking about and talking about Disneyland. So yeah, so always happy to talk about the happy place on earth also um this week we are looking for you because coming up we're next week we're recording two episodes because we're going to be on vacation the week after that so one of those episodes coming up is going to be our 150th episode official Ooh. episode our 150th official uh hyperion adventures podcast episode and to celebrate that we're going back to our most popular episode that we've ever done the one that's been downloaded by far the most which is our Disney songs, our five favorite Disney songs that made us cry episode. We're doing a volume two, a, a brand new updated yes. version of that. Different, it, different yes, ones. Yes. And so this week, um, we'll also be looking for your lists. What songs, what Disney songs made you cry so we can share those on the upcoming show. This won't air for a couple more weeks, but we will be recording it next weekend. So I'm going to put it out in the newsletter. I'll put it out there on social media. We love your list to be added to that episode as well. Yeah, we love your participation. It makes it so much more interesting and exciting. Yes. So I'm uh, looking forward to hearing from you and hearing all the songs that made you weepy like a little girl <laughs> like me um, for everything. Things uh, that so, touched your emotions. Yes. Um, so, could be happy cry. Could be happy cry. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't ha matter how it made, why or what reason. Right. It made a tear come out of your eyes or <laughs> ugly cry like I do. <laughs> <laughs> both happy and sad. Um, it can be any of those things, but we'd love to hear your list on that as well. So uh, as for today, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter. And thank you if you've already done that. Yes. 
please sign up for the newsletter. And thank you for those of you who have. It's just another way to be kind of in the Hyperion Adventures podcast. No, another way is to follow us on social media. Please find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Check us out on YouTube by just doing a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video or a new uh, sort of video release of our podcast anyway. And if you ever want to contact us with those five favorite Disney songs that make us cry or anything else that we have uh, reaching out there for you to uh, kind of do your part in, uh, you can hit us up at our Gmail account, Podcast at gmail.com. Right. We love hearing from our Hyperion adventurers and you're all part of our family and we really appreciate the interaction. And we also appreciate when you take the moment to share the fact that our podcast exists with a friend or family. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just telling your friends about us is the best way to get the word out that there is the show that people might like. If you have the extra time, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use. A little more time, a review would be excellent as well. It helps get the word out, but it also helps us know how we're doing as a show. Right. So thank you for those who have done that already. Yes. Thank you very much. We appreciate all of you who just listened. And if you've given us a review or told friends, uh, we really appreciate that. And thank you for listening to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Bye.